0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. I'm Tyler Campbell, editor for Hydrocarbon Processing and your host for this week's episode. Today, we are joined by Nicholas Meyerson, CEO of Crossbridge Energy. How are you doing today, Nicholas? I'm great, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm doing well myself. I appreciate you taking a moment out of your time to speak to our, our listeners. Um, about what Crossbridge is up to. Uh, so, uh, how about we go ahead and get started? Fantastic. With the first
1: question. No, and thanks so much for having me on the podcast today, and very much look forward to the
0: conversation. Me as well. So, um, so Crossbridge w- was founded in 2021. Why start an energy company in 2021?
1: Tyler, that's a great question. I think many people asked me that when uh, when we when we formed Crossbridge. I think the, the genesis of why we started the company was really in relation to solving a problem. And that problem was around what can refineries do to be part of the energy transition? And we felt during the course of COVID, that there was a very unique opportunity to look at acquiring traditional mineral hydrocarbon refineries, and over a course of time make them a part of the energy transition, and that was the thesis we had, um, and that is truly why we we founded the company when we did, um, and and we felt that we could we could provide a partial solution to what seemed to be that ever-growing problem. Um, And we believed that the infrastructure within the refining assets that were on the market at that time would be ideal transitionary assets for a plan. And that really revolved around two key things, which was one, not shutting them down and running them in the most beneficial manner we could in order to still supply um a very high demand gasoline and diesel petrochemical market both in europe and in the us but also to transition them in a common
0: sense and meaningful manner interesting okay so Your first major purchase was Shell's uh, Fredericia refinery. How has that transition gone? And also, how's the site performing? Another great question.
1: And um, so far it's gone very well. We purchased um, the Fredericia refinery from Shell back um, about 18 months ago. Um, We, have gone through our first turnaround successfully at the refinery, which has gone well. We have um, increased our our average throughput up uh, to 72,000 barrels a day on average over the last uh, number of months post our turnaround and continue to do so. And most important of all, um, we've run the assets safely, soundly um, to what we believe are best practices. We've also, very much pursued a cultural transition at the refinery. Um, now that it's a more merchant-style refinery and more of a culture of running a business and a culture of developing out a sustainable energy transition at the asset. And I think I think you know we we couldn't have hoped for a better reception from all the staff. And we've also you know interacted with the Danish government tremendously well. We, um, for example, we uh, we were visited by Mette Frederiksen, who's the Prime Minister of Denmark, last year, which is the first time a Prime Minister of Denmark has visited a refinery. Um, so overall, I think we're thrilled, and um, and uh, we're we're very glad with the purchase.
0: So you you had some some large press announcement at the refinery, our renewables conversion. Can you tell us a little bit more about your decarbonization strategy? Absolutely. Um, We saw Fredericia as
1: a unique asset to create a decarbonization pathway. Um, We did this, first of all, by progressing a, uh, a commissioning of a 20 megawatt green hydrogen electrolyzer on the site, which is about to start producing five to six tons a day of green hydrogen. That is fueled by wind and hydro uh, from the region. And we um, have also commissioned as well with our partner, Everfuel, another 300 megawatt electrolyzer program, which is gonna be rolled out over the next two to four years. And um, as a result, um, we have placed ourselves in a very optimal position to to generate green hydrogen, which can be used in multiple different ways. We've also processed rapeseed oil um, through our hydrotreaters as a co processed feedstock to generate renewable diesel and offset credits. We are currently processing pre treated used cooking oil um, in our hydrotreater as well, um, in our diesel hydrotreater to generate another renewable diesel co processed component. And we're looking forward to also being able to process pre-treated chicken tallow next year as well, which we're which we're very excited about. We've also further optimized our biodiesel and ethanol blending basis in Denmark. Um, they have switched their regulation from a blending regulation into a a greenhouse gas um, emission system, similar in its essence to the LCFS system that you see in California and in Oregon in the US. And That's really helped us um, optimize uh, what high GHG material we can bring into the market, uh, both on the biodiesel and also on the ethanol basis, which we've optimized. Um, Given the green hydrogen projects that we've commissioned, we have also entered into two different projects, which we look to um, pursue and execute on during the next 18 months. One is a renewable diesel. and sustainable aviation fuel hydrotreater that we are looking to build over the next three years at the site um, we're in the process of securing a baseload feedstock predominantly tallow uh, for that unit um, and we look forward to getting to a final investment decision on that over the next 18 months and in addition to that we also have plans for a test methanol plant during 2023 and 2024 which would take our excess green hydrogen and be able to utilize our single stack CO2 column in order to provide a sequestration of some of our CO2 and producing methanol from it with the hydrogen. So we're very excited about those projects. Um, and I think we've come a very long way in the 18 months since we've owned the asset.
0: Wow, that, that's that's excellent. It sounds like you all have a, um... Very robust decarbonization strategy, thanks, Tyler.
1: We have a long way to go yet. Um, and we um you know we are very excited about all the different opportunities. I would also say that we you know we are focusing as well on ensuring that key risk factors that affect each of these different projects are catered for, especially when you're talking about renewable diesel and SAF, feedstock securitization is. One of those key aspects, but we really appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: so what what is Crossbridge's uh, five to ten year view on the hydrocarbon based energy industry? and the what's the anticipated transition towards renewables?
1: Another great question, and I think that we're living in a world today which has two interesting paradigms. The first is, we all we all believe that we need to transition our energy infrastructure to a cleaner future, to a decarbonization pathway. And we're definitely committed to doing that here at Crossbridge. I think the industry in general over the next five to 10 years is going to have to adapt to that. And different companies are executing those strategies in multiple different ways. But at the same time, we also have the paradigm of energy security in the short term. We've seen with geopolitical events that have occurred over the last 12 months that the world still is in need of gasoline, diesel and petrochemical products. And we have to find a hybrid mechanism. I believe is an industry over the next five to 10 years to be able to cater for both of those worlds. And I think that is the essence of what CrossBridge is. And that is what we're trying to find a way to do. And I think that the hydrocarbon energy industry will will maintain its size and its growth over this time period. But I think it also will develop out alternative fuels, carbon sequestration. And I believe that the midstream refining sector is one of the best asset class sectors in order to be able to achieve that balance.
0: That, that makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, okay, so when you kind of answered a little bit of this in, in the, uh, in your previous answer, but uh, what makes CrossBridge different? Uh, what are its strengths?
1: What makes us different? Um, I would say that we are a young, diverse team that thinks outside of the box. I believe we're contrarian nature and in seeing how refining assets can be converted into renewable fuel and carbon sequestration assets rather than shutting them down. I think we're trying to look at things more holistically. Um, we're trying to transition these assets in a graceful and common sense approach. So we've seen in the market a lot of people doing certain things, i.e. shutting down refining assets or doing straight greenfield new build projects. And I think what makes us different is, is we're trying to sit somewhere in the middle of running these assets, creating that energy security that is needed in the markets that we're in, combined with at the same time creating a common sense approach. So I think... That 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 is what I would signal our, our, our differences being. In terms of strengths, I think we're a solid operator. We have a safety first culture, um, and that is absolutely paramount. I think it's really important for the sellers of the assets to know that they're selling their assets to us as a safe pair of hands for the future. And we're not looking to do radical movements at these assets on day one as we transition them and also ensuring that we're keeping jobs and keeping all the employees at these assets there for the long-term, whether or not that is processing mineral hydrocarbons or processing renewable diesels or doing carbon capture and sequestration. I think that is where our strengths are as well regarding the human resource aspects of these refineries and ensuring we keep the employment levels to where they've been. And I think, you know, last but not least, I think we have, a, you know, a common sense approach to, to, the, to, the, to the energy paradigm that we are facing today. And I believe that we, we are also strong in being able to generate long and sustainable returns to our shareholders and our employees. Um, and I think we truly are providing a solution to the problem of what, what is the world going to do with these assets in a low carbon future?
0: So, I guess let me. Do you have any closing thoughts that you would like to tell our listeners?
1: Um, other than that, I'd like to thank you, Tyler, for the time that you've taken today, and it's been great to be on the podcast with you. Um, I would say to your listeners that uh, we look forward to acquiring more refineries, both in the North Northern American continent as well as in the European continent, which is our mandate. Um, and we're here to operate these assets and transition them um, into the future and, um, look forward to being back on the podcast with you all soon. Thank you for your time.
0: Absolutely. And uh, yeah, thank you for taking time out of your day to speak to us and our listeners and give us a better understanding of what exactly Crossbridge's uh, plans are for the future. Uh, and yes, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks Tyler. It's been a pleasure. Yes. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode of the main column. Please remember to share and subscribe and thanks for stopping by.